0: Vaporwave News Network, episode Five Hello and welcome to the Vaporwave News Network, a bi-weekly podcast about the contemporary vaporwave scene. We feature news, discussion, and current trends, as well as reporting on upcoming releases and events in the Vaporwave, Future Funk, and Jason communities. I'm your host, Alex, a.k.a. Trucks Passing Trucks. I run Pacific Plaza Records in addition to DJing and booking events over my past six years of being involved in the Vaporwave community. Welcome to Vaporwave News Network. It's episode five, covering the second half of June 2023, over 10 years since the birth of this genre and scene. I'm gonna be talking about a bunch of things that have been happening in our vapor world, but today I'm gonna start off with a bunch of like podcasty stuff and things I should probably be saying regularly off the top of like every show. So, first off, I apologize for how late this episode is. At this point, it doesn't feel super relevant as the summer light continues to fly by us, but I am happy to have it in the feed and to kind of keep the continuity and narrative of the 2023 vaporwave scene preserved for the future. But bringing it back to current stuff, I also launched two new curated playlists on Spotify to replace the abandoned editorial playlist. So I'm super stoked that people are digging them and starting to follow them. My initial goals for the main playlist have actually been exceeded in like the first 48 hours here. And uh, the other playlist is slowly gaining some follows as well. So what are these two playlists? The first one is Contemporary Vaporwave. Contemporary Vaporwave is the main playlist capturing all things Vaporwave, Future Funk, as well as the beloved sub-genres like Wave, Barber Beats, Late Night Lo-Fi, Vapor Trap, of course Classic Style, and many more. There's going to be 10 new selections added every other week, which means it will stay fresh covering the past six months in the scene. Fresh Future Funk is a playlist in a similar vein, rotating tracks every other week, but this playlist is also going to have some classics and deep cuts from the past eras of Future Funk. I'm curating that one under my DJ alias, Trucks Passing Trucks, and I do want to have like a DJ-friendly and dancer-friendly vibe going on with that playlist. So please remember, it is only Spotify content that will be on the playlist. An old music uploaded to Spotify recently Is not really going to qualify for playlisting in most cases, and I will be checking. But if you would like to submit to the playlist for consideration, check out our link tree and use the submission form. Please follow the directions for each question and don't spam me with stuff released before July 1st. A quick reminder please subscribe to the podcast and follow us on your platform of choice. If you are checking this out on YouTube, remember to like comment and subscribe all that good stuff. And if you can leave a rating on your streaming platform of choice, if it allows you to do that, please do that as well. You can also follow the podcast on social media at VW news network. We're currently on Instagram and Twitter, but I might consider expanding it to other platforms in the future. So again, that's at VW news network. I'm also hoping to start like a paid subscription or monthly donation to help fund the podcast, pay for my time, as well as give me the ability to commission graphic designers, make some merch, all that kind of good stuff. But with all that out of the way, what has been going on with me? Well, in contrast to the last podcast in the beginning of June, the second half has been jam-packed with events, drama, announcements, and discovering new music. Uh, particularly on the non-vaporwave and actually vaporwave front for me, funny enough. When I finally circled back around to this podcast episode, I was also you know, compiling the new playlist I mentioned, and damn, I actually discovered a lot of new and high-quality vapor and future funk kind of things. However, for my listening recommendation this week, I'm going to recommend the recent Frost Children album, Speedrun. So as I mentioned in the George Clanton interview, I'm actually kind of bummed they aren't playing Econ this year, even though it's their new album I really dig, and I didn't really know much about them, or I don't really listen to much of their older music, but I, I do regret just quickly like walking by their set last year. And this album isn't like obligatory hyper-pop, but rather hones in on dance music, and as they say, the golden tempo. And it also forays into like electro-twee R&B, and teeth-gnashing electro-noise bangers. Pretty cool stuff. I've really been digging this album. I would definitely recommend you go check it out. On the gigs front, as you know if you've been listening to the podcast, I recently played a big gig up in LA for Anime Expo Weekend. It was so cool to play Yoitoki. That's maybe the biggest or, well, for sure was the biggest gig I've ever played in front of the most amount of people And it was so sick to throw down like my favorite future funk songs and just some like deep cuts on a huge sound system, really powerful sound system with like one of the biggest disco balls I've ever seen. And definitely like the biggest disco ball that's ever happened during my set. It was so perfect when it like lit up during the DiscoHolic remix I played. It was so cool. And I got to talk to the lighting guy before the gig. And I told him, I was like, I really want you to set off that disco ball a couple times. I got some songs that are perfect for it. And like, when you hear it, you'll know it. And, you know, shouts out to Cesar. He did do it. And I really appreciate it. So thank you everyone at Yoitoki for booking me, for having me being so accommodating. Shouts out to the homies that showed up to support me. Big shouts out Frank Jav C for coming down in the front and being the first person to start dancing during my set. I opened, it's really tough to open, and I'm really excited to hopefully do it again. We'll see what happens. I mean, I got lots of other gigs going on, but this one was really special. You know, by the end of my set, it was starting to fill up. And it's probably the biggest crowd I ever have and will play for. So unless someone out there wants to book me for, for some more big stuff, you know, hit me up. I'm, I'm ready to bring that big room Future Funk sound to you. I'm also preparing for a few shows to keep the epic summer rolling. The first one's going to be down in San Diego on July 23rd with Vape Air at the Whistle Stop for Sweat.biz. I'll also be playing a free gig in downtown Santa Ana for Art Walk on August 5th with Girl, Earthboy Advance, and Booty Wizard. And I'm also super hyped to do some DJing in New York, but uh, the details for that won't be out for a minute. Anyway, enough about what I've been doing. What's happened in the vaporwave scene the past two weeks? Well, we had a lot of IRL shows. And down in Southern California, we had the dueling Future Funk Nights blessing San Diego and Los Angeles with those big beats. Sweat.biz and Crystal Nostalgia respectively were a total blast. And there was actually even a cameo by producer Matsura who filmed an Insta story of their own song at sweat.biz. That was pretty dope. In upstate New York, we had a show at No Fun with Cordyceps, Mike Videopunks, PowerPCME, and Vape Air in a good old-fashioned low-roof DIY spot. Very, very cool videos from that. Go check them out on PowerPCME and B-side cassettes, Instagrams, Twitter, social media, you know, that kind of stuff. There was also, like, a ton of uh, Anime Expo-adjacent events here in Southern California, leading, you know, from the end of June into July with the likes of Tune in Tokyo, Prison Power, Yoitoki, and more just throwing lots of events across the city. It was a crazy weekend, and because I had to, like, focus on my big gig, I really could not keep up. So, shouts out to everyone that went hard that weekend. In the URL world, we had a lot going on as well. Hot Takes hosted DadGirl, who did uh, quite a bit of... Teasing for what was later revealed on the big stream that week. And of course, there was the surprise hot takes episode with George Clanton, where he talked about the controversy and lineup changes around electronicon 2023. Speaking of the big stream, we had the econ announcement. Obviously, that was a big deal. But there were also some really cool live performances of note, like the shoegaze band Full Body 2 performing on that astral spaceship. Luxury Aesthetics Online with DJ Non had a new episode called. Uh, secluded spaces where you're gonna empty enter the empty the vacant and the serene and he actually started off with a track from the voyage future album i mentioned last episode luxury elite hosted a neon nights episode on june 20th that featured a variety of tracks from different eras including 18 karat affair and IClick. click there was an awesome charity streaming event on june 25th hosted by dreaming diary formerly known as digital sex Turn Up for Trans was a benefit for the Trevor Project and had a set from the host, as well as Internet Rain, Power PCME, Young Shiro, No Highs, Legend Pursuing Paradise, VCR Slot, 2K Late, Teams, not the one from the early days of Vaporwave, this producer has periods in between each letter of their name, and XNTE. And it was a real amazing show, a real banger, an ideal Sunday afternoon into the evening kind of stream, you know, depending on your time zone, but really... Accessible for everyone across the North American continent, at least to watch and some international people depending on your time zones. Like I said, but I hope to see more stuff like this on Sundays when people are, you know, like down to chill in the AC and kind of cozy up and wrap up the weekend. Uh, Especially during the summer. Like for me, I enjoy a nice Sunday stream, casually tuning in or intently tuning in if that's your vibe as well. So this stream ended at over $2,000 in donations. Super cool. Big shouts out to Dreaming Diary and everyone who participated in Turn Up for Trans. On the podcast and Mix Front, we had a lot going on as well, and I'm so excited about that. It's cool to see things coming back and happening. Nightclerk Radio did an all-too-short episode called Summer Times is for Summer Jams that discussed Luxury Elite's new album and the one from Limousine, both records that I mentioned on this podcast. That vapor ecosphere, it's, or the vapor media ecosphere is churning, my friends. Yes. And The Fringes of Sound did a really insightful interview with Otto about their new album that just came out called Lost Memories. It also talks about their development from the previous semi-sampled album, Achi Kochi, which came out on my label, up through this new one which just came out on Halcyon Tapes and you could still go buy it over on Halcyon Tapes. Underwater Computing hosted a streaming mix premiere that contained tracks from their upcoming and current releases. And it was entitled Airboat Mix 3 pretty cool stream to watch it happened over on YouTube and you can actually still download the mix over on Bandcamp or watch it back on YouTube very cool way to kind of introduce what you got going on in your catalog i really like that space jams radio who has featured many vaporwave chillwave lofi house and future funk dj's on their show dropped a guest mix from yours truly yes that's me mr trucks passing trucks and I'm so happy this mix has finally hit the internet. I made it a couple months ago, and I was so excited to put together a bunch of Vapor Breaks influenced tracks from my label, from the Vaporwave Zero cohort, and a few outside picks, plus the classics by like Satin Sheets, Esprit, and George Clanton. You can go listen to it on their SoundCloud or the partner stations that they rebroadcast on. The full list is on the Space Jams Radio, social media, and SoundCloud pages. One last little interesting announcement kind of thing that happened. For those of us who love Vapor Trap, Blank Banshee has started teasing some new material. And going into July, he's been dropping some clips. And there's been someone archiving them on YouTube. Uh, But I'm going to talk about that more in the next episode coming up for July. So I don't know if there's any other loose news items or announcements to talk about that aren't going to be covered in our other sections. So I'm going to move on upcoming shows we got so much stuff happening i'm so excited to report on all this it's a bit tricky doing this reporting when i'm putting my episode out so late so i'm going to cut some things i thought i was going to talk about and then just trying to shine a light on the things that have been announced even if they were announced in july and not during my current time period in june so this is so everyone could get out there get on the internet get on a plane get in your car whatever you need to do to enjoy these url and irl events in the url space the big one we're all waiting for coming up later in July is going to be Helios 3. It's on July 22nd and 23rd on Ming Curry's Twitch channel. There's over 120 musical artists, over 36 visual artists, and over 40 hours of performances. It's going to be super epic. Ming also dropped a lot of interesting tidbits about it on the Hot Takes podcast. And in the spirit of promoting Helios, Hot Takes did have their Ming Curry show, and that already happened. So, like I said, I'm kind of referring to in the past tense here, but, you know... The joys of getting episodes out way too late. A group of artists in the Signal Wave scene have put together a 2-day stream featuring the no offense very original name of SignalCon 2023. It's going to be on YouTube on July 14th and 15th. There's more information over on Twitter and in the Signal Wave Discord. There's also another streaming event announced for those deep listening heads. This one's one of those cool annual ones that's coming back again, and it's Slushwave 2023. And it's gonna be hosted this year by Global Pattern, Desert Sands Feels Warm at Night, and Vapor Memory. It'll be broadcast streaming live over on Vapor Memory, August 3rd, 4th, and 5th. So that's the Vapor Memory YouTube channel. And I'd imagine they have a couple backup streams in other places people might be able to watch it as well. Sometimes there's been takedown issues with YouTube, so we'll see how it goes. But, you know, it's exciting to see more URL events coming back and stacking up to these IRL events that have been getting announced recently. But don't forget, there's still lots of other little smaller curators doing regular streaming things like Big Baby Prophet is back to spinning Vapor Vinyl every other Wednesday night on YouTube. Uh, Vapor FM and Lowell is back doing stuff. Brick Mason is interviewing people again. So go check out all those people's cool things. In the IRL space, obviously there was a big one and I'm going to get to it in my main topic, but there are a whole slate of other Vaporwave and Future Funk shows planned for summer 2023. Starting on July 14th, we got a whole whack of things. We got Toki in Baltimore at the Baltimore Soundstage with Fiber. On July 14th in Columbus, Ohio, I finally got a great submission to our upcoming event submissions form. This was actually the first one, so I'm going to give it some like shine here. And they wrote, join Simple Syrup for a special album release show for his new album, Bloom, releasing July 14th on Business Casual. He's playing alongside a hero, OK Baby, and Crystal Eternal. Bloomsday promises to be a night you won't forget. Doors open at 8 p.m. Tickets are $10 at the door for guests 21 and over, or $12 if you're only over 18. It's at Cafe Bourbon Street in Columbus, Ohio. July 14th is poppin', and over in St. Louis, Vapor Space STL is hosting a bonus point Opie, Scythe Heaven, and Doi show at the Platypus. So, whatever part of the country you're in, maybe there's something cool going on for you. As long as you're uh, east of the Mississippi River did i get my geography right whatever speaking of geography we have an artist who's gonna be crossing the whole country this summer we had the vape era summer splash tour from july 20th to 30th and he's gonna be hitting up the southwest and the midwest including dates at july 20th in downtown la at the resident with data girl and Enrail. there's gonna be something on july 22nd i'd imagine July 23rd, he's going to be down in San Diego at Sweat.biz for Comic-Con Weekend. It's a show I'm playing that I mentioned earlier. June 24th, he's in Mesa, Arizona. The 26th in Nashville, 27th in St. Louis, 28th in Chicago, and finally wrapping it up at Midwest Aesthetic Summer Synapse Festival on July 29th in Madison, Wisconsin at the High Noon Saloon with Luxury Elite, A Hero, Fire Tools, Van Gogh, Simple Syrup, Young Shiro, and more, including some local Madison artists. It was cool to hear about that because the uh, Midwest Aesthetic guys were interviewed on the Utopia District podcast. You should check that out if you want to hear more about the festival and the organization of it. On the 28th, there's another event happening. It's Skeleton Lipstick's Dark Synth Witch House Wave Party called Eclipse. That's at the 700 Club in Philadelphia. It's got some uh, vapor adjacent vibes, but it definitely stays dark and dirty. So check that out if you live in Philly. Also, go check out Virtua 94. They have a whole slate of events that aren't necessarily vapor, but maybe are a little bit adjacent if you're looking for party times in Philadelphia. On August 5th, my label Pacific Plaza is presenting a lineup of friends and family for free out on the streets of downtown Santa Ana in Orange County for their monthly art walk. Dad, Girl, Earthboy, Vance, and the Booty Wizard are going to be playing some music alongside myself from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. out on 2nd and Sycamore Street. So if you're in Southern California, come hang out. Lots of vendors, music, food. Some other friends of mine who run an art collective are doing live painting in an open mic that you can also participate in. So shouts out to Olsi Pulp. There's the Death Dynamic Shroud, George Clinton, Frost Children Tour going on this fall. Don't forget that was announced. Tickets are still available for those. Some dates are selling out. Might want to get your tickets soon. And then there has been some New York events announced around the Electronicon Festival, which is going to be covered in my next main topic here. Remember, if you have upcoming events you want featured, please submit them on our link tree. I still have not gotten too many submissions despite, like, personally asking promoters I know. So send them. Come on, y'all. Let's do this. Our next section here is upcoming and current releases. And I'm only going to do two this episode because I feel like I'm on a bit of a time crunch and just want to get this out. So for my first album, I'm going to talk about A Hero, Thunder and Rain, which came out on Stratford Court. Vaporwave Zero fans are eating well this summer, according to the folks on the Zero Circuit Discord. This album falls nicely into the Vaporwave Zero 5 I mentioned last episode. Clocking in at barely half an hour, it's much shorter release than his last album, Cloud Zero, and it features a mellow, consistent vibe that largely eschews samples in lieu of warm pads, round bass tones, and the signature slowed-down breaks. While it has thunder in the title, I feel like it's a little more in line with the rain part of the name, especially with the really welcoming sound design, slow-rolling suspended chords, and just... Amazing atmosphere created on so many of these tracks. There's great flow on some of the tracks on this album, including right out of the gate on tracks one and two, and I think it really brings a cohesion to the whole thing, despite its shorter uh track times. It's out now on Cassette and Vinyl, Stratford Courts Bandcamp, and they have some really beautiful uh additions, so go look that up. The next album I'm going to talk about here is by Slower Pace, and it is an album released recently called The Great Escape. Slower Pace is a Barber Beats artist who's been curating lots of different sounds over the past couple years, but recently has been putting out a whole spate of different albums in the Barber Beats universe. This one starts out with an Ood-like instrument playing solely over the intro track, and it really sets the mood and paired with the artwork it really gears you up for some Lawrence of Arabia vibes. And perhaps Lawrence of Arabia is a fitting comparison because the film itself is shot in pretty wide cinematic aspect ratios, and this music is definitely cinematic. Using Barber Beats as a starting point, Slower Pace leans into the Middle Eastern sounding samples, percussion from Indian music, and scales or modes of, like, Arab music. While other Barber Beats albums have plumbed similar territory, this album stands out as a holistic effort that digs deeper than pure vibes. The song titles and sample choices kind of hint at the Western gaze, something that I feel is expressed in the album art as well. The album interrogates the Western Orientalist gaze by mashing different styles from across Asia, the subcontinent, and Arabia with its disparate uses of throat singing samples, religious chants, tabla percussion, and other elements of the sound design. This circles back to the Lawrence of Arabia comparison earlier and people's critiques of the movie's portrayal of its subjects as well as critique of the historical figure himself. I can't help but be reminded of the iconic movie poster when I look at the Duotone cover of this album. So go check it out on Bandcamp or on Slower Pace's YouTube channel. We have some other releases and announcements of note. Global Pattern dropped a trio of albums recently that I think are still available as a bundle or separately. Included are some aggressive chiptune and Vapor Trap from Stuart Keller, Slushwave from TM Usernames, and Vapor Meets Breakcore by Hyperborea32x. Underwater Computing dropped a Phasercore Slushwave album called Lovers in the Night, a collaboration between Razorblade and an artist whose name translates to Transmitter. It's made for long-form fans of telepath-style romantic dream music, and it's also still available on cassette and mini disc. Hotel Shampoo released an album, World's Greatest Two-Day Waterbed Sale, on Bogus Collective. It's a handful of warped classic sampled tracks bathed in lo-fi slush, but without the extremely long track lengths. I'm actually surprised I haven't mentioned Bogus Collective before on the podcast. They're one of those iconic net-only labels that has released multiple albums a month for years on end, thanks to the hard work of its curator, Twin Pines Mall. Big shouts out to the homie. TPM is a little thanked bedrock of this scene who's helped so many artists get their stuff out there helped guide artists and continue to bring that spirit of classic sampled vapor to our community for like years on end so big shouts out to twin pines mall another net label this time the iconic fortune 500 run by luxury elite emerged from their hiatus again to drop prequel by late arcane which features a Sgt. pepper style cover collage with like 70s and 80s references instead it's pretty cool looking cover art go check out the album The first Seaside Bliss box set, featuring three shimmering Pokemon-themed ambient albums by Brick Mason, was announced on July 4th. Each of the three tapes features unique artwork by Silphwave. The open pre-order starts in a month on August 4th. There was a new single from Seattle producer, Eventual Infinity. A gorgeous and contemplative ambient song called Light of Day is available right now on Spotify. Go check that one out. Producer KJ Valium self-released an album called Soul Current and wave style 96 released an energetic sample-based future funk with a lot of chops over on the playa wave label business casual's late june lineup also include three releases in the second half of the month ghost memory released cyber drive on june 16th non binary love released death on june 23rd and maggie.wave released rainbow smears on june 30th Ognos' new EP called Gilded Sentience came out on my label, Pacific Plaza Records, on June 23rd. There's not too many copies left, so if you enjoy drum and bass, ambient jungle, solar punk kind of stuff, head over to our bandcamp and pick it up. And a little more Eats for the Vaporwave Zero and Breakbeats fans. Simple Syrup's new album, Bloom, comes out on Business Casual July 14th. There's a single out now on Spotify called Angel, and it's also going to be accompanied by that live show I mentioned earlier. If you have upcoming releases to send to us for coverage, please go to our link tree and use the upcoming release submission form. Priority is given to new releases we're looking forward towards late July right now, and we typically aren't super interested in reissues. Please note, if your album is not publicly announced, by the time I record my voiceover and make my outline, it will probably not be featured. I do not want to make labels mad by preempting releases and getting into situations of miscommunication by having submissions sent out of turn. On to our main topic today, it was inevitable that we'd be talking about the next iteration of Electronicon on this podcast. It was the biggest news in the scene and caused the biggest controversy. There are a lot of thoughts, takes, and polemics that could be discussed, but if you listen to my interview with George Clanton, I'm sure you've had enough, or you know, if you're unaware of my involvement in this whole situation, which was helping with a Q&A from the community, go back and listen to episode four of the podcast. This segment isn't going to discuss the controversy in detail or editorialize the reaction or that kind of stuff. As is normal to do on music news, podcasts, or websites, I'm going to start off here doing a boilerplate kind of history of the fest, the lineups, dates, thoughts on the venues. You know, this electronicon is different and it's expanded in some ways, but maybe not in all the ways people wanted or expected. I will also mention some of the events surrounding the fest or rumors surrounding the fest that will hopefully give you a reason to come to New York City this August and meet other fellow Vaporwave fans, even if you choose not to attend Electronicon itself. I'll also drop a few details that George mentioned in our interview that you might have missed if you didn't want to dedicate two hours of your life to listening to a Vaporwave podcast. So here are the sections I'm going to cover. A history of econ year by year, the timeline of this year's announcement and its aftermath, other events and rumors with a bit of my own thoughts and experience sprinkled in here and there for good measure. This is a bit of a boots on the ground history of Vaporwave's first festival that's helped spawn so much of the community that strives to bring Vaporwave into the IRL music space. This is from someone who's been there at all three and been involved in the community efforts to expand the connections being made as our genre and community continues to grow. Beginning with the history of Econ, I'm also going to trace alongside of it the history of the tape swap, which has happened every year in response to the festival. So year one was the debut iteration, and it was announced in early May 2019, and once tickets went on sale, man, it sold out almost immediately. Wave two of artists was added just a month later in June, and the after parties were announced next month in mid-July. It's a bit different than uh, this year's rollout. The festival went down on August 31st at Elsewhere in Brooklyn, New York. And Elsewhere was a really cool venue. It was three stories with an enormous staircase that really <laughs> kicked a lot of people's bums. But was also a cool place to kind of congregate and hang, smoke a little weed, all that kind of good stuff. And you could really see the crowd and all the different people going in and out and populating this like new world that was being created in front of our eyes. It was a bit of a maze inside, but kind of in a good way. There were definitely enough bathrooms you could find around. There was places to buy drinks and places to get water. It was a pretty accommodating space. And the roof was insane. The view on the roof was just unbelievable. And that will come into play a little bit later when I'm talking about some of the other things that happened at the festival. But anticipation was at an all time high. You know, very few people had like met each other before from this scene and the lineup was absolutely stacked with 21 Vaporwave artists plus five additional DJs playing the multi-room after-party. Some highlights for me was Dan Mason kicking off the whole thing. I cried watching his first set. I cried watching him at the second Econ 2, but that first set was truly amazing. Bear had the Bob-omb moment where during his set, he reached a climax in a song where the visuals behind him, unbeknownst to him, were at the height of the Bob-omb star challenge from mario 64 and the synchronicity was unbelievable one interesting note is i did not end up visiting the crowded zone one stage which thinking back is kind of like a proto club stage if you understand that reference but on the roof telepath played a magical set at sunset followed by death dynamic shroud absolutely shredding the pa as the nighttime set in experiencing that dds performance definitely like cemented me as a fan for life Quickly afterwards, I booked it to St. Pepsi where I crowd surfed, I'm very proud of this. I think I was the only crowd surfer besides George Clan at Electronicon One. And the party just didn't stop after that. So big shouts out to Virtua94 and Skeleton Lipstick. They let me be a hype man on stage during that after party. And they let me kick it in the green room with like some of my favorite, vaporwave artists in the scene. And it was just so cool bouncing around between the small after-party room, people chilling outside, and people chilling in the big main room. I got to see 3D Blast, Pad Chenington, Seek, Gross Start DJ. Just really, really cool. Uh, you know, it was truly one of like the dopest nights of my life. And, you know, it was right after one of the greatest days and best concert experiences I've probably ever had. Zooming out a little bit from the festival itself, there was a few events before the festival, including 100% Electronica doing a pre-show at Baby's All Right. But there was also the tape swap and chill, the very first one. The group chat that helped organize that first tape swap was actually brought together by Mike Videopunks in early May, like right as the festival was announced. You know, a few of us who had been talking one on one had the same idea to throw a pre festival event, kind of like what you would see around like hardcore and punk festivals. And out of this group chat, we gathered vendors, DJs, artists, and labels to pack the space over at meantime co over on nicholas street our ragtag collective effort largely bottom line by mike videopunks who booked the space provided the gear and tables to accommodate the over 100 people that showed up to our event it was a massive success people were spilling out onto the door and renegade tape trading was going on up and down the street leading to some angry neighbors and passers-by actually Plenty of podcasts have discussed Econ 1 in the tape swap, so you can go check out old episodes of Private Sweep Podcast and the 3D cast, where you might even hear me discussing my experience at multiple Electronicons. Year 2 was at Jules Catch 1 nightclub in Los Angeles. Econ 2 was announced Friday morning, the day before Econ 1 happened, which, like, thinking back, I guess I've misremembered this over the years. I originally thought it was, like, announced the day of or the day after Econ 1. Because I could have sworn, like, when I was talking to the Picari guys about it, it had just been announced. But maybe I kind of misremembered because I do have a distinct memory of sitting in the Airbnb with the Sweat Boys talking about how I could help facilitate Tape Swap 2. You know, like, much in the same way Mike helped bottom line Tape Swap 1. And that conversation definitely did happen, like, after Econ, because that day was another super sick day where I got to, like, bro around Manhattan with Reese, a.k.a. Galato from Sweat Biz, which at that time was known as Bakari Sweat. Anyhow, the follow-up festival was slated to happen a mere seven weeks later on the other side of the USA, but this time the lineup was not only filled with Vaporwave artists and legends, but some entropy was introduced into the lineup with hyper-pop artists like Slater, plus adjacent stuff like Yuli and Bruce Smear. While there were slightly more artists on this edition, the lineup didn't feel quite as epic, despite like debut performances happening from Cat Corp, Satin Sheets, and Internet Club. While Catch One was convenient for me and like other SoCal Vaporwave fans, I do think that getting around LA and its higher cost was definitely an issue for some people, not to mention like how short notice the announcement and actual festival itself was. But the venue's multi-level layout was like a bit underwhelming, even though it wasn't as maze-like as elsewhere which I actually think was kind of cool about elsewhere, but the lack of after-party on-site, the claustrophobic layout of five rooms, and the continued existence of massive stairs gave the Zykon a different vibe, and not just because it was on the West Coast. I will note one super iconic moment that was kind of a you-had-to-be-there-to-feel-it-or-experience-it like feel it or experience it thing, and I'll tell this story. As Vapor was preparing to gear up for his set, people in the audience started to notice that there was a problem. Soon, a parade of producers and artists went up to him, pulling cords, switching interfaces, jiggling gear, trying to help solve what was clearly a massive problem. As the beginning of his set time passed, frustration started to turn to anger, and out of nowhere, Vape Air grabs his laptop, turns around, and smashed it on stage before his set could even get started. It was probably like the most rock and roll moment we have ever seen at an electronicon, And swiftly out of the destruction and crowd celebration, a thumb drive emerged along with a functioning interface that allowed Veybear to play his set and shred his synth, although maybe not quite as intended. There were some other issues like fire tools not making her flight, but we did get a surprise set from Nick Hexam at 311, and that was definitely a special moment for the audience. It was also apparently special for Nick. As George told us on the last episode of the podcast, it's the closest he has ever played to fans in decades, you know, being like right there on the edge of the stage with no barrier between him and the throngs of hungry vaporwave fans and aging hipsters emitting that amber aurora energy. As the night wound down, the after party was scheduled at the now disbanded Chewing Foil Gallery and Warehouse somewhere in like midtown L.A., It wasn't like too far away, but certainly not in-house like the previous econ. It was dope getting to see young Shiro play, shouts out brother, and uh, hanging out late with people, but you know, folks were kind of excited to keep the weekend going with daytime meetups on Sunday and taking full advantage of the autumn warmth we were getting that weekend in Southern California. So it didn't really pop off like econ one after parties. Like I mentioned earlier, tape swap two was bottom line by myself. The day after Econ 1, I began the process of booking the legendary DIY venue in Los Angeles called The Smell. I secured the venue within days, but the group chat was, you know, not as active. And I kind of already had a template set by the first tape swap. So I just kind of full bore pursued it and got all the preparations ready. Because like I said, we had barely seven weeks to get it all together. A lineup for vendors and performers were drawn up with some epic debuts by people like Data Girl, Eventual Infinity, and labels like Aquablocka Tapes. Some well-known artists showed up later in the day to do surprise meet and greets, but <laughs> what I think people remember most is the notorious smell of the alley where we were all hanging out and where we had the like official entrance to the smell. And, you know, the venue definitely lived up to its name. Uh, not a stone's throw away from where we were all hanging out, There was like people doing the hard stuff and trash overflowing, but it was a a very classic downtown LA scene and maybe brought a little uh, grittiness and reality to some of the vapor nerds who were expecting something a bit more glamorous. You know, the first tape swap was pretty renegade with like no involvement or mentioned by the econ crew and people just kind of taking it upon themselves. And I kind of continued that vibe for tape swap too, but I did try and reach out through email even offering a merch vending spot to the 100p crew. But I was met with a uh, resounding thanks, but no thanks, and an unspoken, we're not going to promote it and talk about this event. No biggie. Over 100 people stopped by throughout the day, and having a free, ideally all-ages, community-focused event to begin the weekend was kind of starting to feel like a requirement for future vape rave and future Funk happenings. Big shouts out to Reese and the Picari homies for helping with logistics, folding tables, and making the flyer. Also, shouts out to the random private suite volunteer whose name I can't recall. He helped navigate the stream and keep that going and uh, helped cover my ass when I was busy doing so many different things throughout the day. And big thanks to Derek who brought the wireless hotspot that helps stabilize our stream so people could tune in online. Well, it was quite a day, even though we only went from 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. But ending early kind of gave everyone time to recover for that upcoming second major vaporwave festival happening in just a single year. Boy, we didn't know how good we had it and what we would miss once the pandemic set in, but I'm going to finally get here to year 3, the return. We we're post-pandemic and of course there was lots of built-up demand. In the depths of the lockdown and venue closures, it seemed that Electronicon might not come back and George nearly said as much. However, as the world re-emerged and live music stumbled back to life, words started getting around at local Los Angeles vaporwave events that something might be happening. Publicly, it seems like it was first hinted at back in August 2021 when 100p made an anniversary post, remembering the first festival back at Elsewhere. However, it wouldn't be until early May 2022 that we found out Electronicon had definitely expanded to greener pastures in a bigger venue at the Knockdown Center. Initially, only 20 artists were announced for Econ 3, a bit less than any of the previous festivals, but it was eventually expanded to 24 artists. This lineup brought in some chill wave heavy hitters and continued to push a bit outside the vapor sphere into adjacent emerging electronic music like Cowgirl Clue, Frost Children, Hotel Pools, and even old school guys like Small Black. Funny enough, I actually don't think people were as excited for like Washed Out, Neon Indian, or TV Girl... Uh, because there was, like, sets by Luxury Elite, Giant Claw, Desert Sands Feel Warm at Night, and those were the hardest sets to see. You know, they were down the infernal dungeon of sweat and steam known as the Club Stage, and that might have been the most poppin' stage the entire day. At some point, we'll have to do, like, a Club Stage in Remembrance thing where we get, like, audience-sourced experiences, because, you know, if you heard my pod with George, the Club Stage is actually not going to be around uh, the entire festival this time. It's only going to be reactivated for a short time in the nighttime on day two of the festival and i personally have a feeling i think we're gonna see giant claw in there taking us on a psychedelic technological journey to kind of close everything at the end of the night that's my prediction despite the trials and tribulations of the club stage and the lack of food the knockdown center was definitely like a superior venue for a vaporwave summer party barbecue in the sticky summer sweat of new york city There wasn't giant sets of stairs to climb. There were some real trees and plants among the beautiful, decrepit industrial complexes bordering the venue. While there may have been a bit too much sun for most of the day at the stages, the lower catacombs were perfect for cooling off and having an intimate moment. The outdoor stage had great views from different spots all around the outside. And there were also areas to hide away amongst art exhibits or concrete patios. I'll probably do like a main topic looking more back at the festival and people's memories as we get closer to the actual festival in August. But now let's talk about the tape swap. You know, these parallel histories are important. And the growth of the tape swap for Econ 3 was something that the new head organizer Indy Advant of Utopia District was maybe not quite prepared for. Despite some drama and difficulty nailing all the logistics and booking down, people were more excited than ever to participate in the event. People knew to come early, and they anticipated the return of the tape swap and chill. The event again overflowed onto the streets of Bushwick outside the Living Gallery, which was booked with the help of Mike Videopunks again. What a hero. This time, more vendors, more performers, more attendees than ever, and that challenge was met with flying colors by Indy and the Utopia District crew. The vibes were already insanely high before the festival even began. The tape swap's iconic status was cemented this time around. And even George Clanton, with the 100% crew in tow, showed up to say hi and do a spontaneous meet and greet. They gave out flyers and took pictures, which was really cool and unexpected. You know, it doesn't surprise me that George tacitly endorsed people attending the Tape Swap 4, which is happening again, thanks to the bottom line organization of Indy over at Utopia District. And I'm really excited for it. I'm involved as well, as I'll tell you about later. Econ 3 was a special moment for the community to reconnect and for the community to facilitate its own destiny. As the festival itself broadened its horizons beyond Vaporwave, smaller promoters and labels banded together to throw a melange of events around the festival. While a few false starts and miscommunications meant that Thursday was empty of events, which is not the case this year, Friday and Sunday were packed with things for traveling Vaporheads to do. Whether it was the Vapor Space STL party at Purgatory, fountain meetups by Utopia District, discord kickbacks or the event i helped with on sunday night club genki it was an exhausting weekend in the big apple now that brings us to this year Electronicon 2023 and there was a lot of speculation this past fall about whether there would be another one or not and george seemed to indicate that econ 3 might have been the last one due to the struggle around trying to scale up please so many interests and balance the festival's core audience with its more mainstream indie electronica potential. People constantly asked on the big stream all year if it was happening, but with no clear indication of what was going to happen within the next year, 100p threw a handful of events in Los Angeles and New York City. It wasn't until after the Electronicon at Primavera was announced that rumors finally started to swirl about Electronicon coming back to North America. After some cryptic messages on the big stream, I confirmed the rumor actually from George himself at a secret show in LA, that one that was announced on the big stream as well, and rumors started going around between lots of people in the scene. Jumping ahead, as the months wore on and people started to wonder if an econ was actually going to happen, we were uh, all starting to get a little worried. The, The traditional announcement was usually in early May, but by early June, each big stream seemed to offer less and less information. Finally, it was announced on the big stream, June 22nd, and the pre-sale tickets were quickly snatched up as the infamous lineup was debuted. And even the debut on the big stream was not without some hiccups, missing names, problems with the video, it was a tough one. While people were rumored that the festival would be two days, it turns out that it wasn't just gonna be like a little pre-show at a local venue the night before, like what happened in Econ 1. For 2023, we are getting a special arrangement with day one being outside and having a more future funk dance music theme. And day two being a full-on day-long party with two stages, inside and outside. Plus that transition to the Notorious Club stage I mentioned happening in the evening. There will be more food trucks and there will be some single-day tickets sold for day two. Only two-day ticket holders will be able to attend day one. So after it came out, over the weekend, people's reactions to the lineup went from excitement to a mixture of unease and confusion. I'm sure if you're listening to the podcast, you know what happened with John Bowes being removed from the lineup on Monday, June 26th, and then George going around to my podcast and Hot Takes doing some question and answer about what happened. You can listen to my previous episode for that interview with George Clanton about the situation and circumstances surrounding his booking and subsequent removal from the lineup. I'm going to give some quick analysis and thoughts on the lineup this year, avoiding the controversy, you know, as much as I can, to be honest. One of my frustrations after the announcement was seeing people speculating on the relationship between artists in the scene, previous performers of the festival, and George Clanton and, you know, like the 100p crew in general. The parasocial cycle analyzing of the complex music industry and social dynamics is, like, not helpful, and in some cases, it's kind of, like, weird. You know, there are only so many slots on a festival that can be booked, and it's really tough to figure out who to book when there are hundreds of people who have direct social media access to you clamoring to play. George talked a lot about trying to balance that, and I think it's quite rude for people to speculate that there's problems if someone was not booked again or if someone was not booked at all really got to like calm down that speculation you know it's cool to see newcomers on the lineup and these newcomers like data and nrail they've proven themselves as great live performers and committed artists who make unique music and while the vapor community loves them and the influence of that community is felt on their music honestly neither are particularly like emblematic paragons of classic vaporwave or the future vaporwave or classic vaporwave style and honestly both of them instead of they aren't strictly vaporwave or they're moving away from making vaporwave so i mean if we want to get in like the nitty-gritty and kind of do a little bit of critique i actually do think there is an omission and some specific things missing when covering the whole spread of vaporwave eras and styles on a lineup like electronicon so what's missing if we really think that this festival is supposed to cover all sections all sectors times of vaporwave and make it extremely and only representative of the genre which isn't what the festival is like aiming to be. Then it's appropriate to list some of these omissions and thoughts on a truly vaporwave lineup for like a festival of this, uh, for a festival of this scale. Some genres and artists that are missing, in my opinion, would be things like dream punk or ambient slushwave type stuff. That's definitely gone like un or underrepresented. This particular subgenre is what basically landed Vaporwave in Rolling Stone, and the aesthetics of this subgenre lends itself to unique live experiences of deep listening and sort of alternative concert experiences. That's just been completely unexplored by this festival and kind of unexplored by Vaporwave festivals featuring Slushwave in general. There's no barber beats or like chill beats, chill synth representation on the lineup. We had hotel pools last year, which was super dope and I think a great addition. And while I get it that like hyped up fast music is trendy right now, part of Vaporwave's diversity lies in the manipulation of sound in a multitude of ways, whether that's slowing down, speeding up, chopping, etc. And while I'm glad Future Funk was definitely considered, it does kind of feel tacked on, and Night Tempo does get out for a lot of gigs, so I don't feel like I'm seeing something that special by having Night Tempo on the lineup. What surprised me is that we have Night Tempo and Neon Vectors but no other sailor team members or future funk representation besides people who are also considered OG vaporwave artists like St. Pepsi or Lux. It seems like hundred percent is going to rely on people playing dance music infused sets to pe- to pair with these people, you know, like St. Pepsi. And I'd also imagine architecture in Tokyo probably just sticks to their future funk music from their self-titled album and plays their collabs because their vaporwave album, I listened to it recently and I was really actually underwhelmed. So many people have flipped those songs better. <laughs> But speaking of uh, Architecture in Tokyo collabs, you know, their biggest ones are with Macross. And where is Macross on the lineup? That That's a big omission, in my opinion. When I started my discussion of missing stuff back with Dream Punk and Ambient, my intention was to point out also that there's a missing era. And that's kind of the post-2015, post-Rolling Stone hype, up to 2019 era, which like kind of largely shaped the direction the scene would rhizomatically grow in the 2020s and during the pandemic era you know like there needs to be some representation of kind of the pre-electronic eras of the genre post classic eras and big album eras you know like dan mason is missing this year which is like a bummer since he hasn't tour and he's kind of been on each lineup but i do understand him not being there because we do need to bring in new blood but there's no christ and i do think there's a bit of a missing hole people from like Nana shrines era and things like that Pivoting away from the lineup and the festival itself, which is, gosh, taking up a lot of air in the conversations, I do want to highlight some things that are going to be happening in Brooklyn this year beyond the headlining event. Ravenous Vapor fans and party animals will be jacked up and ready to go if they come into town early and stay late. It's worth it to change your flight or to book it to allow you time to arrive on Thursday. You're gonna get warmed up for the festival and then you can also cool down by leaving on Monday and hanging out Sunday, getting down with some prime community kickbacks. Here are some of the rumored and confirmed events, some of which already have tickets available for purchase. On Thursday night at the Meadows in East Williamsburg, Geometric Lullaby, Pad Chennington, Dolphin Uppercut and Vape Air present Summer Slushy Fest 2023 with 23 artists across two stages. It starts at 7 30 p.m. and tickets are on sale now. The internet says the venue capacity is like 450 people, so change your flight if necessary and get your ticket so you can make it today. you will be uh you'll be able to catch me there. I'm gonna be helping run one of those stages and helping make the logistical side of things run smoothly. I'm also gonna be sneaking out for some real ass menthol cigarettes hit me up with some of those menthols if you got them and uh weed hook me up with that loud if you got it too i'm in new york there's there's plenty of big names on the slushy summer spectacular including people from last year's econ lineup but also some neat things like an electric specter debut performance some genuine slush wave from days of blue fake fever finally in context with some of the vapor fam and daydream deluxe all the way from down under See the posters for the full lineup and details. It is a 21 plus event. You know, I've noticed there's a lot more age limits at events post COVID, but it's tough to book spaces on short notice. And it's also uh, tough to come up with interesting names. I kind of think slush based prefixes and con suffixes are going to be like a bit, excuse the pun, washed out by the end of 2023. It is rumored that people are going to be setting up some meetups and pre-fest kickbacks on Friday afternoon apparently the festival itself won't begin until 5 p.m and it actually ends at 10 p.m according to the knockdown center website so if you like to go out late there is hopefully going to be some unofficial after parties thrown by some folks who've been cranking away in their local underground electronic rave scenes if that gives you any hints they might be doing it for the second night as well but day two of Electronic Con does go from 3 p.m. to 2 a.m., which will be epic in a totally long, full day. I'm pretty excited. It's going to be epic. And with it starting at 3 p.m., it gives you the ability to get well-rested beforehand, even if you go out after partying Friday night in Brooklyn. And finally, on Sunday, the Tape Swap and Chill 4 will be happening. There's going to be over 20 vendors and as many, if not more, performers across those two floors. It's gearing up to be an epic conclusion to the weekend, and with its growth comes a paid ticket. So make sure you purchase one because the capacity is limited at the venue. The event is going from around noon until 6 p.m. on Sunday, and it's going to be put on as a collaboration between Utopia District, Vapor Space STL, Pacific Plaza, and VA10. And like I said earlier, I believe Utopia District's also going to be organizing some meetups and kickbacks for any member of the community to attend before, during, and after Econ weekend. Lots of people plan to arrive a few days in advance to see the city or settle in. Plus, hot tip, it's cheaper to fly on like Tuesdays or Wednesdays if you can get that time off of work. I would also not recommend staying too far out beyond, like, Maspeth and Ridgewood. Public transit isn't as straightforward, and there's not as much subway transit once you get towards Queens, and, like, most of the action for the music side of things gonna be in, like, the westernish sort of gentrified parts of Brooklyn. You know, not so much Bushwick, more like Williamsburg. I'm not sure if I have that all 100% correct, but that's kind of what I've gathered from my local friends who live out there and what people have been saying on, like, the big stream and discords and, you know, around the Vapor Sphere. So another recommendation, if you are traveling in and out of Newark or LaGuardia, allow yourself some extra time to get to and from the airport. The public transit is not as easy or straightforward as if you were arriving at JFK. With all that out of the way, I hope to see all of our listeners at Econ. Definitely come say hi to me. Let me know what you dig about the podcast. It's going to be super cool seeing people in person again. I really love getting these chances to be in person and make connections with people that I normally wouldn't get to. I'm going to be doing some deep dive investigative reporting and exhaustive coverage of the event. But, you know, before my mind gets melted by all that, I'm going to end this main topic and we're going to move on to the last section of the podcast. This week in Vaporwave history. I'm going to cheat a little bit this time around, and I'm going to start with something that came out on July 1st, since there's going to be a lot of stuff to cover in the next episode's history segment. So without further ado, on July 1st, 2011... New Dreams Limited was released by Laserdisc Visions, a.k.a. Ramona Xavier, the person behind Vectroid and Macintosh Plus. This began the New Dream Limited series, and the album came out several months before the infamous Floral Shop record. There are two like, main different versions of this album floating around. There's the cassette rip, which is 22 tracks, and it's available on Vapor Memory, but the version on Vectroid's Bandcamp is 27 tracks. The release was originally distributed as a mixtape titled Virtual Casino, but... Upon request from Beer on the Rug, it was revised and published with its more well-known title that is still used to this day. I got a lot of this information from the Vapor Wiki, so if you want to read more about it, you can check that out. But here's some other little interesting details, like three of the tracks from the original Virtual Casino upload are on the current version Vectroid has put on her Bandcamp with 27 tracks. And some of those other tracks from Virtual Casino ended up on the unreleased collections that came out in 2012. There's definitely a lot of changes between the versions uploads, so like I said, you could read the Vaporwave wiki for more info if you're into that kind of thing. Despite the long track list, most of the songs are pretty short echo jam loop experiments of slow dance samples, sometimes highly chopped or sometimes singularly repeated samples, largely of video game music and flute or woodwind-based New Age music. This was catalog number 006 for Beer on the Rug, and their original run of the tapes is highly sought after, the quote, limited edition c30 is an alternate edition of laserdisc visions new dreams limited featuring a bonus track plus a reorganized version of the original release remastered and enhanced for fluent end-to-end listening it also includes a bunch of japanese commercials mixed in the background of the whole album some of which were actually used on prism genesis albums later that summer and the tape was in a limited edition of 60 very rare very highly sought after to give it a little more of a cohesive description, I'm gonna, I'm gonna quote this Sunbleached write-up that they had, and it included this nugget right here. The vast majority of New Dreams Limited's 27 tracks are sampled from video game soundtracks, most notably Sonic the Hedgehog, a reference that remains popular in Vaporwave music production to this day. The preponderance of video game samples causes New Dreams Limited to occasionally be referred to as part of the Sega Haze subgenre in quote, or in parentheses, almost as nebulously defined as Signal Wave, which is often used in context with mostly unedited short tracks whose source material is 16-bit video games. And in the citation for Sega Hayes, they mentioned DDS. <laughs> Sunbleach, you were awesome. I, I miss you. Anyhow, if you haven't heard this one, it is a must-hear album. Moments of it presage the iconic tempo changes of Floral Shop, and some of the longer songs develop into something, but Maybe not quite the prog-length epics we would see on Floral Shop in late 2011. One last thing I'm going to do is I'm going to throw a quick mention out for one of my favorite vaporwave albums of all time. Blue Dream was released on June 14th, 2014. And originally, this album was an epically long split between Cat Corp and Telepath. Although in 2016, the artists split off each side as their own album. And to be frank with y'all, I only really listen to the Cat Corp side. In fact, you know, the Cat Corp side, like I said, is one of my favorite all-time albums, especially in that kind of vapor-funk, semi-slush category of slowed-down classic vaporwave that keeps the beat with glacial grooves, burning phasers, and punchy drums. Most times I hear people using these same samples as Cat Corp. They just don't stand up to this release, in my opinion. This release is an epic, meant for long road trips, hazy midnight parties, and even romantic adventures with someone you love. And I will note that this is another great example of minimalist production techniques, like I talked about with Barber Beats. This album's been reissued a few times, and I'm actually lucky to own a Cat Corp made version that has like a photo paper J card, very cool. The whole album is so good, it's tough for me to pick a favorite, but I'll I'll do a couple recommendations here, and I'm gonna shout out When She Comes, My Heart Is Yours, and of course, the first intro track, turns to gold which is perhaps the greatest flip of midas touch by midnight star anyone's ever made i hope everyone's enjoyed this week's episode of vaporwave news network as always you can find some of the albums and music mentioned in the episode notes if you have anything you would like to submit to the vaporwave news network check out our link tree for submission forms we have a twitter and instagram profile where we post highlight graphics with the releases mentioned in each episode so make sure you give us a follow and repost the content Seriously, reposting those graphics and video clips in your stories and retweeting it and all that kind of stuff, that really helps spread the word to people in our scene and it helps boost me in the algorithm. Do it, please. You can find us on those social media platforms at VW News Network, or you can check out our link tree that has all the links to social media and submission forms at linktr.ee slash Vaporwave News Network should probably get a better url soon <laughs> but if you want to get in contact with me directly you can also do it through my email vaporwave network at gmail.com i've been your host alex aka trucks passing trucks if you want to find me or my label on social media you can look us up at pacific plaza rec that's pacific plaza rec on twitter facebook instagram or TikTok. this podcast is sponsored by pacific plaza but if you are a reputable label looking to advertise or sponsor the show please get in contact with me i need to pay for this somehow I personally have an Instagram page for my music and DJing shenanigans. It's over at Trucks Passing Trucks, all one word. I'm playing down San Diego at the Whistle Stop on July 23rd and on August 5th in Santa Ana, like I mentioned, plus some special DJ gigs over in New York City on Electronicon Weekend. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you tune in to future episodes of Vaporwave News Network. From our part of the vapor world, this is Alex, signing off until next time.